Did you get, like, frustrated when you have to erase stuff as a kid? Like, the six-year-old goes at it with an eraser. Mm-hmm. But, like, I feel like he's going to burn a hole through the paper and start a fire with the friction as tries to erase things. And there's going to be a fire erupting out of the desk. <laughs> um, but, no, he actually learned what the undo button looks like on the computer. Mm-hmm. And so when he made a mistake the other day, he was like, uh-oh, and then started drawing the undo button above his mistake. Uh-huh. Looked at me and said, undo, undo, and tapped the button and then erased everything and left his undo button drawn above it. It's like, bro, you got to. You're wasting so much time. I know. That's and he's like he's like, I don't want to be doing this. And I'm like, then stop making it take longer. Speaking of making it take longer, let's go ahead and record. Cool. Welcome to Chronically Narnia. Wait, this... wait. I thought we were doing episode one of Don't Erase the Past, our Eraser History podcast. <laughs> Are we doing Narnia? All right, let me get my other notes. Get your other notes, Chris. <laughs> All right. <laughs> That's for the Patreon. Uh-huh. Hello, and welcome to Chronically Narnia, the podcast in which my co-host and I discuss the Chronicles of Narnia, chapter by chapter. And today, we are on chapter two of Prince Caspian, the ancient treasure house. Whoa. Whoa. Um, I am the greatest of all the wood people, Pomona herself, also known as Kristen. And this is my co-host. I'm just the queerest thing that's happened in this queer day. Ah. Also known as Chris. Hello, Chris. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. Uh-huh. Um, so I was sure you were going to take that one. I was I'm shocked. The, you thought I was going to take the queerest thing? <laughs> no. Yeah. No, no, no. I was going to take Pomona or Lily Gloves. No. I like Lily Gloves. Because it reminds gloves. me of the way the kids used to say uh, Silly Goose. Mm-hmm. Lily Goose. Lily Gloves. Um, anyway, what are we talking about today? Lily Gloves the Chief Mole, obviously. Yeah. What do you think we're talking about? Rich and deep character, that is. Yeah, faux show. <sighs> All right, welcome to Chapter 2. We made it. We made from it. From last week, you know, because yeah. there was some question about that, I guess. No. The corona hasn't taken us down yet. No. Uh, <laughs> anyway... I thought I was going somewhere interesting with that. I don't know. Um, have, you, we... have you been tested for coronavirus this week? I have not. So, so. you know, for all we know. But all listeners, right. I'm pretty sure you're safe. Um, <laughs> anywho, I have a clarification to make from last week, because last week in the podcast you asked a question uh, that I did not have an answer for, and you had asked who the person is that this book is dedicated to. Yes. Uh, Mary Claire Havard. I have an answer for you, if you are curious listeners. Um, Mary Claire Havard is the daughter, was, I don't know if she's still alive, but the daughter of C.S. Lewis's doctor at the time, Humphrey Havard, which apparently he was also friends with and 
uh, Humphrey Hubbard was a fan of his work. You know, unlike that jerk Tolkien. Um, <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's who that is. All but, right. Anyway, um, so now that that is clarified and out of the way, Kristen. Yes. Would you like to open this up by uh, doing our summary of the chapter? Absolutely. So when okay. we read the chapter, we pull sentences out of the chapter, uh, five sentences to be exact, and attempt to summarize the chapter with those sentences using the chapter's own words. Here's my <laughs> summary of yeah. the ancient treasure house. Go for it. Then the girls went out to pick some more apples, and the boys built the fire on the dais and fairly close to the corner between two walls, which they thought would be the snuggest and warmest place. Have none of you guessed where we are, said Peter? It's no good behaving like kids now that we're back in Narnia. For now, all knew that it was indeed the ancient treasure chamber of Care Paravel, where they had once reigned as kings and queens of Narnia. We must take the gifts, said Peter. Okay. Uh, yeah, we had one sentence in common there. Not in the same place, but... It's no good behaving like we're kids? Yes. Uh, you saw that one coming. Well, it's because you sat there and <clears throat> conducted me doing it with your pen. You know what? You don't have to pull back the curtain on every episode and, you know, well, share Well, I, I can't just say that I psychically expected <sighs> that this is the one that you would choose of my sentences. You mean you could. You know me well enough. Um, no, that's not the one I would have thought. Uh, anyway, I'll go ahead and mine. This is one of my shorter summaries that I've ever done, but I feel like it works really well, and I'm really proud of it. Here we go. It was a castle, and this must have been the courtyard. Now, said Peter in a quite different voice, it's about time we four started using our brains. We're in the ruins of Caraparavel itself, said Peter. It's no good behaving like kids now that we are back in Narnia. All the battles and hunts and feasts came rushing into their heads together. There you go. So, yeah, that is the that is the theme of this chapter. Um, so in the first chapter, we had them disappear off of Earth, end up on this island, walk around and hunt for crabs and tide pool critters to eat. Um, they found a courtyard with some delightful apples in it. Uh, and in this chapter, we find out where they've gone. Yes, you said they can't be in Caraparavel because in the amount of time that's passed, geological things couldn't have happened for it to become an island. Unless somebody dug a channel out and Unless created an island. Unless someone dug a channel out and created an island. Which seems like an interesting choice. I Lily why. Gloves the Mole had put in <laughs> a lot of work to that, and I really don't see why you would just dismiss it. Uh-huh. Is that your uh, baseless speculation? We're getting yeah, into that yeah. a bit early. Yeah, yeah. It's all Lily Gloves the Mole. Uh, all right, Chief so, Mole. <laughs> so let's go ahead and chat a little bit about this chapter, shall we? Shall we? Um, I'm jiggered. Yeah. <laughs> you know, jigger is that word with like 33 different definitions. At least. According to QI. Um, so anyway... Uh, Let's let's get into it. Uh, so this chapter opens up where they're all sitting around talking about it, and there's this very long and drawn out kind of exploration and talk about what this place could possibly be. Um, well, it's yeah. clearly a ruins. Yeah. I mean, they they are not aware of the amount of time that could potentially have passed between their visits to Narnia. 
So they have no idea that they should be looking for any idea uh, that of something that they might be familiar with. Yeah. Because they have no concept of the idea that this much time could have passed in Narnia. Mm-hmm. Um, because they also have no idea how much time passed between Diggory going and them going. They didn't know about that. Yeah. Et cetera, et cetera. Um, and so, yeah, they're, they are just wandering about and pretending that they're in Care Paravel. And they're like, oh, this must be a banquet hall. No, it couldn't be. Well, but remember in our banquet hall where it had a raised platform like that right there? Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I guess that could. Yeah, then this is definitely a banquet hall. I mean, that's standard design for banquet halls in Narnia, maybe. Yeah. That's just saying. They have you a know, dais. It's always the same architects. Yeah. Well, uh, they also <laughs> don't know for sure that they're in Narnia. They've just been whisked away by magic. Correct. So they have this small amount of openness to the idea that this might not be Narnia. And then also assume that it's Narnia. And as soon as Susan finds the little golden knight chess piece by the well, because they find the well, they collect sticks, they try to make a fire, and they collect apples. But um, during a trip to the well, which Mm -hmm. is exactly where their well had been, at Care Paravel, yeah. Susan finds a tiny gold chess piece with one of its two ruby eyes still intact Just and this. brings it back. And Peter says, I'm jiggered. Um, Just the signifier of, you know, the opulence of their reign, by the way. Like, yeah. we've got a solid gold chess set and like, adorned with rubies that we casually play with. Like, it's one of those things where it's like, that's what you'd expect to find in, like, the Tiss Rocks house. <laughs> yes. And... Yes. Yeah. So that's that's something we could talk about. So I, I do want to clarify uh, something that I'm angry about really quick is that it bothers me a lot that there is no consistency between the passage of time here, at least not that it seems like. Because if if Earth is a real place where time flows at a constant rate. And I mean, be, and, and that's very much, you know, <laughs> something that's up for debate. And can be measured. And I don't know if Earth is a real place, Chris. Like, <laughs> let's just be clear on that. Very much up for debate. You're pushing on a hot topic here, so I don't want to, like, stir anything up. Uh-huh. This is this is baseless speculation. <laughs> is, that, is that the new Flat Earther Society? It's the Fake Earther Society. Go ahead. Uh, and if Narnia is a real place where time flows at a constant rate and can be measured, regardless of what Narnia is or where it is or if it's another dimension or another universe or whatever, if they both have time that can be measured, there has to be a ratio. No, of... there doesn't. Why not? Because <laughs> time is relative in our world. Time moves more quickly at one... at, at uh, is it more quickly at the equator because they're moving faster than it does at the poles? More slowly. The more faster slowly. you're moving, the slower time. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, the reverse it. So, time is moving faster at the poles than it is at the equator just on this earth where you claim time flows at a constant rate. Mm-hmm. And so, when we're talking about other worlds, as Uncle Andrew would put it, mm-hmm. we could get into other houses. Um, in other worlds... We are talking about dimensional shifts, time change, rel- like 
and relative direction and movement, if they did all exist in the same universe, which we don't know if they do, Mm -hmm. but if Narnia and Earth exist in the same universe, they could also be moving in different directions in different ways. One could be orbiting the other for all we know, and there could be times when it's coming closer or moving further away or seems to say stagnant distance. And all of those things could affect, from a scientific standpoint, these different kind of perceptions of the time change between them so like yes i agree that i want there to be a consistent rate where like if they spend 15 seconds in our time it's 15 years in their time Uh you know like when they are like 15 years in narnia and they come back through the wardrobe it's only been 15 seconds like i want that too also it doesn't work that way just on the planet earth yeah with the way that time is relative and the movement and speed affects that because of space-time being a, fl- a, a fluid thing based, like affected by gravity and speed and velocity and all of these things. Like, this, so, is, this is why I really wanted to get, want to get into our Cosmology of Narnia book that we haven't started reading yet. Yes. I feel like this is something that should be addressed in there. Okay. Uh, we need to start reading that, and that's our Patreon. Uh, <laughs> we get deep into the physics of Narnia. Um, anyway... I'm cutting you off there because you were going to go on a time rant. Why don't you just say thank you for what I did? Thank you for what you did. And how I contributed. And maybe maybe I could be right. (laughs) Yeah, you could be right. Whatever, you shot me down. That's why I'm moving on. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, it bothers me that we don't have a consistency of which to compare times between the two places because we don't get to have those fun interstellar moments, you know, where Peter yells Murph at a screen for a while. Um, (laughs) Anyway. uh, Yeah, so they have this, you know, extended conversation where Peter's the one who's just like, all right, people, it's let's... It's obviously, we're in, we're obviously here. Uh-huh. Let's start using our brains. And he has this whole list of points that he has to bring up. He's, he's constructed this argument. And Lucy's just like, I've felt for hours that we were, that there was some wonderful mystery hanging over this place. Like... No, really? <laughs> you were just sitting in a train station, then you were on a beach, and now you're in a castle. Uh-huh. Uh, I wonder how else you could feel about it, besides that there was some wonderful mystery covering it all. Uh-huh. And Welcome here to being nine years old. Well, I mean, she could be like 30. We don't know. Um, it's That, that comes up. Uh, and then we have this uh, new aspect of peter's character that we discover which is peter the debate team captain because he's just like i have this very like bullet point list First of point. these four four this arguments is exactly the same shape and size as our at as the hall at care paravel mm-hmm. second point <laughs> the castle well is exactly where our well was mm-hmm. a little south of the great gate same shape and size uh-huh third point Susan has just found one of her old chessmen, or something as like one uh, one of them as two peas. Fourth point. Mm-hmm. Don't you remember? Do you remember? It was the very day before the ambassadors came from the king of Callerman. Don't you remember planting the orchard outside the north gate? So, interrupt your your Ed, your Peter, the debate team leader, points. Mm-hmm. Um we also have this mention of the King of Calarban. Now, in writing order, this book came four books before uh, Horse and His Boy. Mm-hmm. So he has established 
this idea of a of a uh, ambassador from the king of Kalerman coming to Narnia. Yep. Um, in this book, mm-hmm. but doesn't actually write about that encounter until he writes the horse and his boy, which we've already read. So yeah. we know this is kind of like a nice throwback for us, but was actually at ground lane and an establishment of the fact that there was a, an area called Kalerman in a country for the first time in the writing of it, which I think is kind of cool. Yeah. That's, it's some internal universe consistency. Uh, for once. But yeah. Uh, I think though, as we read through this book, it's going to do something interesting for the characters if we think about them in the context of already having had this experience of, you know, the invasion of Kalerman and that whole thing. Oh, yeah. And that's going to be, I don't know, that's it might be helpful to get into their heads a little bit. Yeah, not only that, though, but these are also children who have, who left London to go to the country to be protected from bombings. Like, we talked in... The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe a little bit about this trauma response of the kids and the way that they might have made up Narnia to process this trauma where yeah. they could go be kings and queens and rule and all of that. Mm-hmm. And with that said, now we have them having gone back to England, having the war be mostly over, all of that. That And now these are children who've gone through this trauma who are now coming back to Narnia again. And I would be interested in continuing just to not discuss necessarily, but keep an eye out throughout the text mm-hmm. for this um, this trauma imagery coming back up again of these being kids who had all of the, like took the power back in their trauma response and going to Narnia as Lion, and Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe and became kings and queens and abolished school and had a mostly peaceful reign except for the giants and Kalerman and all of that uh-huh. and then went home again and were children again in post in, in still in wartime uh-huh. in England and I'd like to just kind of keep that in mind that that's still very much a present thing about these characters because yeah we've got some some changes in their characters that are happening here mm-hmm. but Peter is still using logic yeah. And all of his, you know, thank goodness they taught him logic in school. Otherwise, they might not have figured out they were in Care Paravel. Yeah. But, like, you know, just even joking about him being the captain of the debate team. Like, yeah. <laughs> but he's also still being high king yeah. over the other siblings. Yes. So. Uh, to jump off of that. <clears throat> so, we, we talked uh, pretty extensively uh, in the previous book, because we had the whole story about the war, about Narnia being an allegory for England, is Care Paravel London? It's possible. I mean, I think that it's definitely a symbol of their home. Mm-hmm. Because they can go back and pretend like things were the same. Like, uh-huh. they're like, oh, let's pretend we're in Care Paravel. But not realizing that they're actually in Care Paravel and its ruins. Yeah. And like they don't they don't process realizing that this is the ruins of Care Paravel very much in this chapter. They're just still excited to find out that it's Care Paravel. Mm-hmm. Like, oh yeah, London's still standing. Yeah. But they haven't gotten to the point where they have to actually realize that time has passed and yeah. things are changed forever and they're not kings and queens anymore and they're not narnia's 
their castle has fallen. Uh huh. So maybe. I mean, it might, yeah, let's keep looking for imagery of that, too. Yeah. Um, I am also going to, because there's a map in the front cover of my book, Uh I am going to point out that there is another castle labeled on it that is far away from the coast. Yeah. And so that castle labeled on there is the only, like, point of civilization clearly labeled that isn't just, like, a a lamppost. Yeah. Um, And so... Clearly, stuff the power centers have shifted. Yeah. And so I don't know where that's going to track with as far as allegory goes for this being London or this being England as a whole, but... Well, the other castle is obviously Professor Kirk's house. No. No, 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 no. <laughs> that, no, that doesn't make sense at all. Um, and I promise you it doesn't make sense at all when okay. it comes to the actual story. Okay. But... Well... Getting too, uh, getting too ahead of myself with the baseless speculation. Yeah. Uh, on a lighter note, I would like to point out a really fun line here where, you know, they're talking about this idea that it was on a peninsula and, you know, now it's an island and that kind of is a point in the favor of it not being Caraparavel. But Peter says something like, uh, but it was a, what do you call it? A peninsula. Jolly nearly an island. Yeah. And I think that's from now on how I'm going to refer to my birthplace of Florida. It's <laughs> jolly nearly an island. <laughs> And uh, that's a uh, that's that's fun. So anyway, so they figure out that it's Caraparavel after you know Peter's convincing, and then they're immediately just like you know what we need to find since everything else is broken down and fallen all all around us. We need to find the treasure room because you know what the castle? door should be right here where we've built yeah. our fire. What? Hmm. What castle doesn't have a treasure room? Well, obviously. Mm-hmm. But uh, they're like, no, there's no door here. And then once again, mm-hmm. we have Edmund using his science mind. Uh huh. Good thing he went to school. Yeah. Um, to tap on the wall through the ivy to see if there's a hollow point. Yeah. We'll Ed- know by the sound of it. I mean, Edmund kind of saves the day in this chapter. He's the one that's got a flashlight. Like I know, <laughs> right? They would have um, been Peter had lost. matches, though, right? Peter yeah. was the one with the matches. Which I was gonna think. Why is Peter carrying all these matches? Like. I don't know. I, I, I feel like that can only apply that he's a smoker. I don't know. I mean, like, I, I don't it's know like, why... Why what, else would a schoolboy be carrying matches around with him? For lanterns or lamps or gas lights? It's, it's the 50s. It's not like... Yeah. There's electric lighting all over the place by I this know. Point. I'm just thinking. These are ideas <laughs> for why someone might carry around matches at 14. Uh-huh. Just saying. Maybe he's a little bit of a bad boy. He's got a little bit of a... I don't know. Maybe he's into the pipe. I mean, he was also, you know, like 30 years old when he went back to his... Yeah. 13-year-old body or whatever. Correct. You know, next chapter he pulls out a flask of whiskey. <laughs> um, anyway. Uh, do So, Edmund saves the day. He finds the door to the treasure chamber. And as long as we're going along with this, like, allegory... What? Why do you think that's important? Because obviously in the story it's important for them because they're like, this is where we kept all of our fancy stuff, like yes, the cordial and, and the bow. And specifically, and, yeah, they find the, the presents that they were given by Father Christmas their first yes. week in Narnia before they were actually kings and queens. Well, let's remind ourselves Edmund doesn't have any, but you can read about why in the other book. Yep, exactly. <laughs> um, Actual line so, of the chapter, by the way, listeners, if you weren't following along. So um, we have... Peter gets his sword and shield. 
Susan gets her bow, and Lucy gets her healing cordial, and Susan loses the horn because she was wearing it when they went on the hunt. Yeah. So with that said, I think that there's an important thing there in Uh that these things were symbols of what was expected of them in Narnia, I think, Uh because Father Christmas gave them to them before the battle, before they became kings and queens. Like, Father Christmas showed up and said, here are these gifts. Uh-huh. You're going to need them. Lucy had a dagger and, a, and this cordial of healing liquid. And Peter had this sword and shield. And Susan had something to call for help and a bow. Yeah. And now they've come back to Narnia. Uh-huh. And these things have been re-gifted to them almost. Like, they have, they went into the treasure room and found that they were still there. Uh How did someone abandon this castle without emptying the treasure room? Who knows? They even found a brooch that someone thought was lost at some point. Apparently. It was just in the treasure room. Remember? Coronation rings and all We all thought this was lost. Mm -hmm. Um, But like that kind of stuff said, this is them reacquainting themselves with their role, I think. Uh Where they were kings and queens and they received these as a doorway into king and queendom. Yeah. And then, like, now they are coming back and these are them retaking up that crown, if you will. Or Except Susan doesn't need to call for help anymore. Either that or this is, this is symbolic and that there's going to be something going on there. Yeah. And, you know, Lucy doesn't need that dagger anymore. Well, didn't she have it? No. It only mentions the cordial. It does not mention her finding the dagger whatsoever interesting yeah they point out the fact that susan doesn't have her horn but the dagger just doesn't get mentioned at all so am i remembering wrong father christmas gave her a dagger right no you remember it correctly so that's interesting as well and we can speculate on that uh going deeper into the allegory though like you know in the storyline they're coming back to care paravel they're going back home to london after the war what is the treasure room here like what are they finding back in london well i think Peter is finding strength and authority and, you know, his sword he killed Mm -hmm. the wolf with, like. Yeah. And Susan is finding her bow. Which, got to interject here. Apparently the sword has a name. We don't learn that at all in Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Yeah, no, it it wasn't named in Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, but it was named here. But it is called something. So, uh, the sword, by the way, is called Rinden, or Rinden, or something like that. It's R-H-I-N-D-O-N. Uh... As far as I can tell, there is no real-world meaning or etymology of that word. Uh, but in the deep lore of Narnia that, you know, people just pull out of the ether somewhere. Um, but uh, as far as any of the scholars could figure, Rindon is an old Narnian word meaning either protection or lion-crafted, which in any of the old tongues means basically the same thing. Okay. So this is apparently mentioned at some point somewhere. Okay. okay. <laughs> I don't know. Um, not so far, yeah. but possibly somewhere else. Anyway. Um, um, so, yeah, we have Peter kind of taking up this protector role, Susan taking on her bow, but not her call for help. So maybe it's maybe that is a growth in her that she doesn't need the horn anymore. Yeah. But maybe it's also a symbol of something she has lost. Yeah. Maybe she's lost... The ability to ask for help yeah as a person like and edmund didn't get gifts before 
Mm-hmm. And he doesn't get gifts now, which means, I don't know, we have this kind of idea of him staying the same. Lucy was given this cordial of healing, which is kind of like this idea of her becoming a nurturer when she hasn't been and never, like, I don't want her to become, like, she's a fighter and I want her to stay a fighter. (laughs) She lost her dagger. I mean, she don't need to stab people no more. I don't know. So, yeah, we'll see. Does Edmund get something eventually? That's what I want to know. Like, he's redeemed himself. From Father Christmas? Not from Father Christmas, but does he get his own little thing? Well, does he, does he, get he pick own? something up while they're in the treasure room? Uh, not that I can tell, no. I think there's a conversation about them picking up the coronation rings and stuff like that, but nothing specifically he uh, takes a hold of. Okay. Anyway, so they go to the treasure room. By the way, 16 steps. I'm sure that's important for some reason. Archery and swimming uh, were things Susan was good at. She could be an Olympian. Um, yeah, they find all these suits of armor. They find the chests, and they find all the treasure. Uh... They talk about the gifts they got, et cetera, et cetera. And there, I mean, there's not a lot else that happens here. And there then is. they go to sleep. That's it. They yeah, go yeah. down, they look at the treasure room, they come back upstairs and go to sleep. Yeah. There they is, climbed the stairs again and made up a good fire. Like, that is the second plot sentence. Yeah. There is something interesting that does happen here, though, um, where it's something Susan says. Uh, She says, oh, bother, 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 said Susan after she had thought for a moment. I remember now. I took it with me uh, the last day of all, the day we went hunting the white stag, referring to the horn. It must have got lost when we blundered back into that other place. England, I mean. Yep. And so, like, they've been here six hours at this point. Like, not even overnight. Which, also, this, that line happens very shortly after... Peter says, cheer up, Susan. It's no good behaving like kids. Now that we're back in Narnia, you're a queen here. Yes. And like after Susan was like, don't open that door. I don't want to sleep with a door behind me and an empty treasure room below me. Like, Mm -hmm. don't do it. Don't do it. And then Peter's just like, uh, buck up, Susan. You're a queen. (laughs) You are a queen. Yes, queen. Um. (laughs) And so, and then like. One of the next things that Susan says after that is, oh, what was that place we were in before where we just kind of like blundered in? Oh, England. Like, yeah. she flipped a switch when Peter called her a queen. Yeah, and it seems like we have this uh, scenario where this amnesia really only goes the one direction. Where, like, if they're on Earth, they can pretty clearly remember Narnia and their lives there. But as soon as they get into Narnia, they start forgetting everything about what's happened on Earth. I mean, it's easy to do that when you've lived 15 years in Narnia or 20 years in Narnia and only 8 to 12 to 15 years on Earth. Yes, but it was like, their childhood. Like, their entire formative years mostly were spent okay but like for me i have like nine memories under the age of five Uh lucy we're talking about going to narnia for the first time when she was eight yeah and then living a life and then coming back to narnia or back to england and trying to be a nine-year-old again yeah and having a year of time to kind of readapt to being a nine-year-old again just to come back to narnia again where she's still in the body of a nine-year-old but she is still a queen. Yeah. Like, so for, for, like, if you're talking about formative years and actual memories that people carry with them, yeah. like, yes, the formative years affect your personality and things, 
But also, if you've only got 15 memories from being a child by the time you're 30, Lucy's going back not remembering her life. Mm-hmm. Like, Lucy's going back to being an 8-year-old with the memories of her life being, like, removed 15 years. Like, Yeah, which, which brings up some really interesting questions of philosophy, like, can Lucy be tried as an adult for murder? <laughs> like, like, because it's so relevant to the story and important. Yep, these are the things I think about. Um, anyway, they find the treasure room. They go down. They collect stuff, and then they go to sleep. And I guess we'll see what happens. But that is basically the chapter. All right. Anything else you wanted to jump into before we start closing this thing up? No, I think. Um, do you want to do? We we never settled whether we were going to do a baseless speculation first or the rewrites first. I think rewrites first. Because it makes you don't sense. like ending with a goofy thing. I mean, sometimes they're goofy. Sometimes I write serious rewrites, and so it's you know. Yeah, but I also like to take what I learned from doing my rewrite and reapply it. So I feel like okay. it does. How about um, you do re- your rewrite? Then we do baseless speculation. Then I'll end with my. <laughs> That's the uh, no. opposite of what you, either of us wanted. All right, so um, here's Story my rewrite. <laughs> okay, here's my rewrite. Lucy was going to boarding... That's that's last week's rewrite. All right. Jeez, what are you doing? Lucy was going to boarding school for the yep. first time. Didn't you know that that happened in this chapter? Uh-huh. Do you remember? Do you remember? One, two, three, said Edmund as he went cautiously down and so up to 16. Don't you remember? It was the very day before the ambassadors came from the King of Calerman. Don't you remember planting the orchard outside the north gate of Caraparavel? And I remember playing chess with fawns and good giants and people singing in the sea and my beautiful horse and, and how could I forget? Fun. I thought you were going to do like an eight sentence thing or some kind of... Well, I had already written it this way, but it was supposed to be, do you remember? Do you, do you remember? remember? Oh, okay. One, two, three, said Edmund as he went cautiously down and so up to 16. Do you remember? Yeah. Do you remember? Don't you remember it was the very day? Yeah. So just them kind of reinterpreting, you reinterpreting their... Uh... No, it was literally just me finding the word remember everywhere oh. <laughs> I could find it and making fun of it. Oh, okay. I, That's... I, I thought, yeah, no, I liked it. I, it's a reinterpretation of, like, them coming back into their own and, like, more of a lighthearted, whimsical take on it. How could I forget? Uh, I went a much darker direction. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> anyway, so here's mine. No one said anything. There was something sad and a little frightening about the place because all seemed so forsaken and long ago. Under the shelves stood great chests of oak strengthened with iron bars and heavily padlocked. Susan was not the only one who felt a slight shudder as the boys stood above the pile of splintered wood, rubbing the dirt off their hands and staring into the cold, dark opening they had made. Still, nobody answered. Hmm. Mm. Okay, okay, okay. It's my story about them looking for something. Yeah. Um. Anyway. Uh. So cool. I like. Did that. No, I like what you did there because I like the way that that kind of flows into this. Still, nobody answered. Like. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I like that. I like the world, the imagery that you've created there for that. Thank you. The sense of it. I mean, it, I mean, it's like the whole point of the the segment is just a reinterpretation of the chapter because, like, well, the imagery is there. Yeah. Okay. And I think the imagery in this chapter is actually really good. It's yeah. just that the tone of it is, you know. I mean, that's what Lewis is going for. I can't really dismiss the tone of it because, like, he wanted a certain, like, feel and he's trying to craft a story. It's just I was trying to highlight how easily just certain things how, can how completely the, how shift. How the darker the, images are in there yeah. but are a balanced out with these more lighter images of what I did with taking all the goofy stuff from it. Yeah. One, we, two, three, all the way up to 16, you know. We, like We had a couple good rewrites, and I think they played off each other really well. Yeah, I think they both emphasized the different, the, the, the two ends of the balance that made this chapter's tone um, not swing one way or the other, but be very much something that we can follow along with as curious, concerned, and also whimsical, like mm-hmm. what the feelings of the kids would be going to a magical land that they aren't sure necessarily is their old home and discovering a kind of a crushing loss that their home has literally fallen apart. Yes. Um, anyway, so that being said, why don't we move into our last segment here? Uh, and if you're just tuning in after a while, we've replaced our review segment at the end of it with a brand new, much more fun segment that Kristen can take part in uh, that we like to call baseless speculation yes uh which is still kind of the 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 thing that uh you know it's the thing that i'm driving because i am not familiar with the storylines i have not read this book so i don't know where it goes so the only thing i can do is baselessly speculate and we have fun with that um i got a doozy for you in this one i'm putting together an idea okay so do you have anything you want to throw out there i I mean does it have anything to do with the little brooch no. Because they brought up brooches twice in this chapter, no. and I'm curious as to whether or not those have something to do with what's going to happen. Yes, I've read the book before. <laughs> I am here for baseless speculation. Mm-hmm. Great Scott, said Edmund. <laughs> Go ahead and tell me what your doozy is, because... For me, all of my stuff, like, the only thing that I would go off of is what we kind of played around with earlier with Lily Gloves, being someone who actually, like, had a role in the fall of Cara Paravelle. Uh-huh. Um, because Lily Gloves specifically says to them, you're going to be thankful for these apples for this orchard one day, mm-hmm. or something along those lines. Yes. And they're like, oh, yeah, he was right. Yes. But did Lily Gloves know that there was going to be this moment. Okay, I'm going to stop you there because you're getting into my thing. Okay. All right. So that's where I was starting with because Lily loves, obviously, prophet. Um, Is he a prophet or did he take a prophecy and make it happen like the guy in Callerman? I don't know, but I'm saying Lily loves knew this was going to happen. So Lily loves kind of prophecy of the future is delivering them news of where they're going to go. Who does that remind you of? Who else in this universe that we've encountered has knowledge outside of what they should have? The, You're right. The hermit. The hermit. And Horse and his boy. So who he only had knowledge of the present. He had his little pool. He can do everything that was happening right now. Didn't know anything about the future. So we have Lily Gloves. What about the centaur that prophesied about core saving Arkenland. I mean, that's a thing. He doesn't factor in, though. So, okay. Lily Gloves 
Ghost of Christmas Future. Okay. Hermit, Ghost of Christmas Present. Who's the Ghost of Christmas Past? Well, which character have we encountered that, you know, is, you know, a R- keeper? Romantically, uh, very much say, a keeper of stories. A, a keeper of stories and a keeper of secrets and someone who remembers things long forgotten. Obviously, it's Tumnus. Yes. So we have, we have the triumvirate of Tumnus and the Hermit and Lily Gloves, who are like the keepers of all knowledge uh, and... <laughs> are the ones that are presenting these visions of the past and the future and the present to the kids because they're there to learn something. Now, what does that remind you of? Obviously, what's another British author that has famously uh, told stories about, you know, children in situations and also talked about ghosts with knowledge? Obviously, Charles Dickens. Mm-hmm. It's a Christmas now, carol. Now, I couldn't tell you off the top of my head when Charles Dickens supposedly died. Supposedly, (laughs) we've gotten way past baseless speculation here. No, this is us going deep. But I'm saying there's a lot of coincidences that are stacking up where Dickens and Lewis might actually be the same person. That's that's where I'm going with this. I'm going to start trying to find parallels and uh, figuring out where to go here. Okay, I mean, C.S. Lewis was born almost 30 years after Charles Dickens died, but okay. Born. Um, <laughs> it was 28 years separating. Uh-huh. But I'm just saying, like like Keanu Reeves, maybe Charles Dickens is someone who is actually immortal. <laughs> See, when I talk about people who are actually immortal, I don't go to Keanu Reeves first. I go to... Because um, if I'm like thinking about someone who's immortal or something or has jokes about them being immortal, I think of the Queen of England and um nicholas cage Uh, i don't go to keanu reeves first Uh, yeah he would be like fifth on my list yeah i feel you i feel you so he's on the list but like he's not at the top like we're talking queen of (laughs) england first and then Uh uh-huh going down from there i feel you so who is who is dickens slash lewis now who's a who's a male (laughs) a male british child author i can't honestly can't think of any we're currently alive uh, no idea. All right, readers, help us out with that. Anyway, that that was all kind of silly, but I, I think there's almost something to this idea of uh, these characters with knowledge and that being a thread in the storyline. And so I believe there's a grain of truth in there that we could follow through with. Uh, but anyway, that's my baseless, baseless speculation. I know I didn't actually talk it, you know, at all about where the book is going because that, that's kind of the point of this segment. Uh, None of that informed us as to where the book could possibly lead or what the plot could be. So that was all... I don't know. That was just me having fun. (sighs) That's totally not why we do this podcast. Nope, we are not intending to have fun in any way, shape, or form. No fun, sir. You can cut this in at some point. I did want to point this out, though, uh, as a thing we could put on the Instagram, because I like to point out fun art that is in my books. And there's this picture on uh, page 24 of the... Uh, Scholastic Scholastic, uh, Chronicles of Narnia set. And this fun art of them looking into the uh, stairs down to the treasure room. And I know this is supposed to be the lighting in this black and white picture, but if you look at it closely, Susan and Lucy both look like they have enormous bald spots. (laughs) 
it's, <laughs> that's just lighting. Uh-huh, yes. But, but also, the look at the shadows of the broken door. Like, we have the broken pieces of wood at the top. Yes. And it almost creates the same outline from the witch's castle. Oh. oh. From the artwork okay. of that. Yeah. We gotta post that on the Instagram. Yeah. I mean, another baseless speculation <laughs> to just work in there. Those hints. The Pauline Baines, uh... Ooh, maybe the witch is back. Uh-huh. All right. Well, Kristen, do you want to go ahead and uh, take us out? Um, Like on a date or uh-huh. with a gun or end the podcast? <laughs> Kristen pulls a gun out from beneath the desk. <laughs> <sighs> oh, sure thing. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you are interested in chatting with us, discussing with us further, contributing your thoughts and baseless speculation, uh, just telling us that you like us or not. Uh, You can do that at Chronically Podcast on Facebook and Instagram or at Chronically Pod on Twitter. You can also um, email us your fan art of a pure gold chess piece with one ruby eye missing. I was going to say Susan as a queen. Oh, queen. (laughs) Queen Susan. Susan. Um, (laughs) You can do that at chronicallypodcast at gmail.com. Also, if you're interested in giving us money so that we can afford our own pure gold chess set with ruby (laughs) eyes in the horses. Because that's what we need. You can do that at um, patreon.com slash chronicallypodcast. Um, Thank you so much for participating, joining us today. You know, active listening is participation. Um, and never mock a man, save when he is stronger than you, then as you please. And don't forget your net for your shrimp. Um, nope, don't forget those sandwiches. <laughs> those sandwiches, pocket sandwiches. Pocket sammies. Uh-huh, cool. Pocket sandos. All right, peace. You are a queen. Yes, queen. Um. (laughs) It's no good behaving like we're all... It's no good behaving like kids now that we're back in Narnia. It's no good behaving like kids in the... I messed up in the same (laughs) sentence? Why is that a hard (laughs) sentence to say? It's no good behaving like kids now that we're back in Narnia. Silly goose. Mm. Lily goose. Lily gloves. Is that the new flat earther society? It's the fake earther society. <laughs> no, really? You were just sitting in a train station, then you were on a beach, and now you're in a castle. Here's Story my rewrite. <laughs> Here's my rewrite. Uh-huh. Here's my rewrite. Go ahead. I've tried three times. <laughs> <laughs>